Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, welcome into another episode of the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast. Well, last week, Indianapolis, specifically the Pacers, put in a bid for the 2021 NBA All-Star Game, All-Star Weekend. It's become a goal of Pacers owner Herb Simon over the last several years. And Simon, of course, is the longest tenured owner in the league. So that means something. From there, the organization, plus the Indiana Sports Corps, Visit Indy, Downtown Indy, and others got involved. Over the last two years, representatives from each of those organizations have attended All-Star Weekend to see exactly what it takes to host the weekend and all the surrounding events. This year from the Pacers, it was Rick Fusen and Mel Raines. From Visit Indy, it was Leonard Hoops, the CEO, plus the Senior VP of Convention Services, Susie Townsend. And then there was Ryan Vaughn, the president of the Indiana Sports Corps. So last week, Larry Bird rode an Indy car in downtown Manhattan, and what a strange look that was, but it was pretty cool. And then he delivered Indy's bid to the NBA headquarters. On Tuesday, I sat down with Vaughn to discuss Indy and its pitch for an all-star weekend. Now, Vaughn is an Indiana guy. He attended Wabash College, was a swimmer, and then he got his law degree and practiced at Barnes & Thornburg. He later moved into a role as chief of staff for Mayor Ballard, and then in 2014, he transitioned into another new role, with a top-notch sports organization in the country. That's Indiana Sports Corp, who does everything first class. This is coming to you from the 12th floor of the Pan Am Plaza building in downtown Indianapolis. This is from the headquarters of Indiana Sports Corp. I hope you enjoy. Ryan, appreciate you sitting down with me here today. Oh, yeah, happy to do it. Thanks for the time. So obviously the the big reason uh, I wanted to do this was centered around Indy's pitch, their presentation for the 2021 NBA All-Star Game, why it's important, where Indy can benefit from it, and all the things that go into to doing something like this, because it's not just this organization, it's not just the Pacers, so many teams. It's a really a team effort. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the uh, the team, the partnership you referenced is um, Indiana Sports Corp, Visit Indy, of course led by Pacers Sports and Entertainment, the city, the state, uh, the hotels, uh, the venues, uh, Capital Improvement Board, you name it. Um, everyone really has to come together to make a bid possible. Um, it takes a lot of coordination and agreement across um, sort of all those spectrums around timing, around cost, um, around you know what's possible. How do we make it new, different, better? Um, and so we were really excited to have that come together in a in a big way over the last six months and deliver that bid on Monday for sure. Yeah. So earlier this week on Monday, the deadline day for the 2020-2021 All Star bids. As always, Indy makes a splash. It's not just let's send a, a representative, maybe FedEx it. No. Let's close down a a section of the street, Fifth Avenue, downtown Manhattan. Everything this organization does, they just make a splash. They do better than everyone. Why do you think that is? Is it the people and and how their passion behind whatever they're involved in? You know, I think it's a combination of things. You know, I think it starts uh, candidly from our history. I mean, uh, going back to, you know, the mid-1970s, this was not a very active city. 
didn't have a robust sports scene, didn't have a really strong brand identity. And, uh, you know, the, the leaders of the community made an investment in the idea that sports could be a catalyst for our community. But uh, we were starting from the beginning, and we've been playing with a chip on our shoulder ever since. And so every time there's an opportunity for us to elevate this city by hosting a premier sporting event like an NBA All-Star game, we want to make sure that we are putting our best foot forward um, from the very beginning, from the expression of interest to the submission of the bid to the mm-hmm. very end when the last you know um, fan flies out the day after the, the All-Star game in 2021. So for us, it's about setting a, a bar of excellence and then constantly pushing to that um, as a way not only to you know build our reputation for our ability to host these events, but also to highlight the city in the most positive way possible when we have that moment in the sun. So much uh, revolves around the calendar and what other events going on, and it's not always sports-related, but you look ahead to 2021, and in, in December, likely, there would be that Big Ten football championship. Then the All-Star game would be mid-February, as always, followed by the Big Ten women's basketball tournament, followed by the Final Four. Right. Yeah. I don't know how you guys, assuming this would happen, and I kind of assume it will be that way, I don't know how you guys will do it for that whole year. Just You would be extremely busy. Yeah, we're, well, we would be, uh, you know, if we're fortunate enough to be selected for 2021, um, we will certainly be the center of the world for basketball uh, for every part of two months. And um, Sounds about right. Too. Yeah, exactly. You know, this is Indiana. This is the home of basketball. But yeah, everything from high school state championships to uh, women's Big Ten to, of course, Pacers will be playing at that time. The NBA All-Star Game, Men's Final Four. I mean, we will have an incredible foray um, of basketball events in this city. Uh, and it will be tough, uh, you know, mm-hmm. at least on the staff and uh, and on the on the folks at Pacers Sports Entertainment and others. But it's one of those things that it's a, it's a labor of love. I mean, when you get to... Uh, we worked every day for six weeks this year hosting five different events, uh, none of them the size of the NBA All-Star game, but uh, there's, a, there's a significant gratification that comes from just sort of putting your nose to the grindstone and getting there and getting it done mm-hmm. and then stepping back and enjoying what an, you know, what an opportunity Indianapolis had to be you know, in the national and global headlines for that, that period of time. Why 2021? Why does that make sense for the city? Yeah, when we got all those partners together that I mentioned at the beginning and we started looking at the opportunities, uh, first, the NBA was only going out for years 2020 and 2021. Uh, there was at least some speculation that if North Carolina wasn't able to reverse right. course on their bill, that 19 might be included in there. But um, regardless of that, um, we really had to focus on uh, either both or one or two years. In 2021, pretty quickly when we looked at calendars, venue opportunities, uh, and candidly, the opportunity to to pair it up with something like a men's final four became uh, the consensus choice pretty quickly. Now, over the last couple of years, a, a strong contingent of indie representatives, including yourself, have, have attended the other All Star games. There's Toronto, and this past year, New Orleans. Is that a, a kind of a fact finding mission? Is it to reassure yourself of, of what it takes? Is it trying to discover new things that maybe you didn't think about? What is that? fact-finding uh, mission entail for you guys? Yeah, it's all of those things. I mean, for any premier sporting event that we uh, are either know we're going to host or that we intend to bid on to host, uh, we scout it out. We want to get in a, a feel for uh, how large is the event, how long does it go, what is the footprint, um, what types of spaces are activated, um, how, if, if at all, the community has been involved or engaged, what type of legacy projects are out there. 
um, what type of creative uses of, of venues in other cities or states are going on that we might be able to tweak or adapt or, or, or otherwise use. Um, it, it really is, um, you know, it sounds like, and, you know, my friends joke like, oh, you're going to work, you're going to the New sure. Orleans, the NBA All-Star game. They have no idea. Yeah, they have no idea, right? Uh, there really is a lot of effort that goes behind the scenes. And, and quite frankly, we spend very little time at the actual games themselves and a lot of time uh, investigating all those other aspects. But, um, you know, those those trips are really designed to um, uh, get us a feel of the event so that we can make a decision on whether or not we want to bid on it, um, first of all. But then secondly, once we've done it, have a sense of what that event has been like in the past and how we might improve it going forward. And we saw with the Super Bowl, not only did you guys, you know, just host a standard Super Bowl, then you took it to another level. I know the zip line, for example, right outside this window was a raving success. And I forget the, a couple other things specifically, but ever since Indy hosted that Super Bowl, that's now a requirement at other Super Bowl sites, which I think is pretty cool. Yes, Georgia Street's probably the most uh, prolific addition to the Super Bowl bid packet. So prior to Indianapolis hosting, there was no such thing as a Super Bowl village. Uh, Indianapolis literally created it um, uh, by the reconstruction of Georgia Street. Um, and I wasn't part of these conversations, but at least been shared with me that the NFL was somewhat reluctant um, to have that or to see how it would be activated, uh, having not had one before, but Indy delivered in a big way. Two weeks. Yeah. It was open two weeks. Yeah, I know, in a big way. And, and uh, going forward, that is a, a required provision of the Super Bowl bid. And so it's those types of um, event enhancements that we try to be creative about. Um, and we also want them to leave a legacy in our city. So, again, Georgia Street, sure, it was a Super Bowl village, but now it's an, uh, an outstanding addition to our downtown, a great connector between our convention center, Lucas Oil, and Banker's Life Fieldhouse. It's a premier event destination spot that not only premier sporting events, but conventions and civics groups use to activate all the time. And so it's sort of that marriage between event enhancement and community legacy that um, get us excited. Yeah, the street's great during, you know, before Colts games or before the Big Ten football championship game. It's just packed with fans. You have beer vendors and food vendors. They do food truck Fridays every once in a while. Like, it's really worked out, this street right here. Yeah, it really has, you know. Um, And and it's uh, more than justified the, you know, beforehand it was just a street, right? It was a street probably worthy of the same amount amount of investment as any other street. And, um, you know, kudos to former Mayor Ballard who – um, leaned in and, and, and made an even greater investment in that street for this purpose, and uh, it's paid for itself in spades for sure. You were his chief of staff for a couple of years. I was, what, yeah. In this specific role, how do you, what could you draw off that? Was it maybe mostly relationships or knowing maybe where the city comes from things when you try to present an idea to him? Yeah, I think the thing I benefited most from working uh, in that role um, was really getting a broader view of all the different things that are happening in the city. Um, okay. You know, when you're chief of staff for a mayor, any mayor, um, you sort of need to have your, your vision at a very high level cast across many different areas of the city. So, you know, whether it's identifying or being cognizant of a need in youth employment um, or infrastructure needs, uh, crime uh, issues that you have to deal with, economic development opportunities. You sort of get, um, you know, an inch or an inch deep and a mile wide on issues that when I've come here have helped help this organization, I think, connect in some levels that maybe it wasn't always before. For example, you know, when we host NCAA Swimming and Diving Championships, uh, when I started 
one of the first things I wanted to do was do a youth clinic around learn to swim. And then if those kids were good enough swimmers, uh, we would actually pay for their lifeguard certification. Hmm. Well, why I thought that was important was because when I was at the city one year, we couldn't open our neighborhood pools because we didn't have enough lifeguards. Wow. So we've got now the city with a pipeline of talent that they can they can hire to use um, to uh, uh, to open those pools on time. So it's stuff like that that just uh, whether it's a small program like that or something like the East Side Legacy Center, one hundred fifty million dollar investment around the Super Bowl, um, that sort of broader vision has really helped me in this role. That's neat. And the Pacers have already uh, said that there would be a legacy type project. There would also be statewide outreach. They want to touch all 92 counties and really make this greater than just Indianapolis should it come to fruition and, and things like that. And I know you can't speak to specifics and everything, but from your work, you know, whether it's having a regional first round games at Bankers Life Fieldhouse, but you've also done it at Lucas Oil Stadium from a venue standpoint, how do you value you know, obviously the, the partnerships, the sponsorships, available seats versus an experience um, that the people taking in the game would enjoy at either venue. Yeah, my sense is the NBA is strongly, like the NCAA um, um, most recently, has been strongly pushing to have their game in basketball venues, right? So uh, whether it's the All-Star game itself or some of the other premier competitions like Slam Dunk or or Three Point, um, if the decision were made today, it would probably be leaning toward having those in Bankers Life Fieldhouse. Uh, but we've seen in other cities, New Orleans most recently, that you know they activated the Superdome for yeah. some of the other activities like D League, celebrity games, stuff like that. Um, the advantage we enjoy, uh, rel- you know, relative to our competitive cities, is that all of that stuff isn't walkable and it's close and it's connected. Um, and so, uh, you know, we can have a lot more activations tightly compacted than maybe some of the other cities that I've been to, uh, for this program. So, and the cool thing I enjoyed about the, the Super Bowl and everything here was the national media was basically a walking billboard for Indianapolis. I remember yeah. compiling a blog post about all of them raving about the success here. And it was all your guys from, from Adam Schefter's to Jay Glazer's and everyone in between, that's, that's a great walking billboard to continue to pass on and share with others if people don't know about Indy like that. Yeah, it's part of our mission. You know, you talked about the role of the, of the partners um, earlier in this bid process. Uh, part of our role at the Indiana Sports Corp is to use sports to put Indianapolis on a national and international media stage in a positive light. Um, that helps branding the city. It helps, um, you know, not only local community pride, but it also helps us build a national and international reputation as a vibrant city where businesses and people want to locate and visit. And so uh, we, we make every effort when we uh, have media in town to sort of expose them to all the great things that take place here. Uh, we anticipate Will Credential well over 3,000 uh, media mm. from around the globe uh, for an NBA All-Star game. And so another fantastic opportunity for us to highlight all the great things about Indy. That's a good point because it's not just a national beer. It's a global appeal for an event like this. You have guys flying in from across the country. Yeah, absolutely. And that was one of the things um, uh, that struck me uh, in my first All-Star game, which just happened to be in Toronto, which is, you know, technically global, but uh, a one-hour direct flight, um, is the the amount of uh, fans um, uh, that come from around the world because we have players from around the world. And so they have followings, um, uh, you know, globally. And so it's a much more international audience than, say, some of the other events that we've hosted at a similar scale. The estimated economic impact, the Pacers say, is more than $100 million. How does that compare to other events and their estimated impact? 
Yeah, so the the NBA All Star Game is certainly a you know a top four or five property in the in the United States relative to sports impact. So you know the um, the number one is the Super Bowl uh, that sort of stands alone as a uh, as the premier top property. But when you talk about the NBA All Star Game, you're thinking of a men's Final Four level or greater uh, type yeah. of event. Um, I think the last time we hosted men's Final Four, which was 2015. We estimated that impact at like $75 million. So um, I think easily by the time 2021 rolls around, be well in excess of $100 million worth of impact. Adam Silver was talking about in January, basically saying need to make sure they have their T's crossed and things checked off and their requirements um, are fulfilled. What are some of those basic requirements, the things that make sense, like hotels, restaurants, maybe something related to an airport? Yeah, and, and I appreciate those comments from Commissioner Silver um, saying that we need to have another All-Star game. You know, 1985 was the last time we hosted one. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, candidly, uh, a lot has changed since 1995, both with the NBA but also with the city of Indianapolis. Um, we needed, I think, a minimum of 6,000 hotel rooms. We've got uh, an excess of uh, 7,100 on hold. Um, wow. We needed to have the venues uh, capable of hosting these, which we most certainly do between – uh, Bankers Life Fieldhouse, Lucas Oil Stadium, Georgia Street, the Convention Center, even properties at the state fairgrounds uh, potentially could be activated, and it's you know not not far at all. Um, the entertainment venues uh, certainly we have them. You know we we exercise those every time we have a men's Final Four or something along that caliber, uh, whether it's the theaters downtown or or um, you know other uh, entertainment space. Restaurants, um, all walkable, high quality, uh, great experiences. So all of those things that are pretty um, uh, indicative of a successful event town, uh, we certainly have. You know, we we quite literally as a city have been built for the purpose of yeah. <laughs> hosting major sporting events right. uh, and conventions. And so, um, you know, it's I don't want to say it's easy for us to check those boxes because it was hard work on the people that came before us to uh to be disciplined to that uh, type of urban planning but um we, we've now certainly can pretty easily check those boxes you just look out this window and you think of the pan Am games right yeah. away because that's what we're on top of basically yeah i mean you're looking at uh you know we're looking west here but you can see lucas oil stadium you can see victory field you can see the ncaa the convention center the jw marriott it's all there yeah it's all it's all right here yeah and you can't help but notice the jw and how it's decorated you guys did it so big for the super bowl and then continued it on um, with the bracket of right. course a couple of right. years ago and then now it's all decked out for the indy 500 that's another unique branding opportunity right there that everybody's going to post to Instagram. Everybody's going to sell for you once you put it up there. Yeah. And it's, you know, we talked earlier about the type of things that we do around an event that elevate the event or that are unique and make it special. And uh, that was certainly a special moment around the Super Bowl. I mean, no one had ever contemplated using the side of the JW as the world's largest billboard. Uh, (laughs) But it's such a fun activation, really brings the event downtown. Um, and so it's something that um, not only us but others have, have since reached out and, and activated on. And we think it's great. You know, it, it's a, it's a, it literally is the, the largest billboard in the city. Um, it, it might be one of the largest billboards in the country. Right. Um, and, it, and it's always promoting some type of sporting event in our city. Can't help but think of, of all the other big events that you guys do. We haven't even touched on the Indianapolis 500. 
Do you guys play much of a role in that, or has that always been Indianapolis Motor Speedway and that whole bunch, now kind of led by Allison Melanchthon, who is held in great regard here in the city for events? Yeah, sure. No, the, the team over at uh, IMS is, is very capable and, um, you know, at executing these events and, and operates pretty independently. There have been occasions in the past where we've facilitated maybe with volunteer recruitment or some logistics, but in large part, that team over there has, I think, done an excellent job on their own of sort of uh, rebuilding that race and that experience and um, uh, yeah kudos to them a lot of success over there what is it like to have the Pacers in a top-notch facility like Bankers Life Fieldhouse because I'm not kidding I, there's team after team and players that in this building is now 17 years old this is the best venue this is the best building we play at it may not be New York in the appeal of the big stage of Madison Square Garden but there's something awfully special about Bankers Life Fieldhouse. You know, there really is something special about it, and you and I sound like total homers when, oh, we, completely. when, when we say this. Completely. But I, I will tell you, having uh, uh, traveled to see the men's Big Ten basketball tournament in Washington, D.C., uh, which is a very similar venue, built the year before, uh, about the same size, um, and night and day. I mean, Bankers Life Fieldhouse is such a, a nicer stadium. Um, you know, it, it's such a better fan experience. Um, it's, it's more modern. It's more engaging. Um, the environment is so much better. Uh, it really kind of blew my mind and was really eye-opening um, and a testament to the folks over at Patriot Sports and Entertainment and uh, uh, the way they take care of that building and make improvements to it and manage it. Uh, has really made it a special facility for a long time. Now, when Larry Bird and Rick Fusen presented a binder to Commissioner Silver, you can see how thick it is. For a type of presentation like that, what are some basic contents that will be within a binder like that? Yeah, there's certainly uh, requirements that the NBA has in order to host an event, and you want to make sure you address those um, very directly. So things like the number of hotel rooms, uh, venues, cost, assurances relative to adequate public safety, um, things of that nature. Um, But there are also things that... um, Thematically, you want to go above and beyond the bid itself. So, uh, you know, for us, it's about, you know, why is uh, Indianapolis an all-star city? You know, it's it's leveraging our great history. It's making a commitment to um, the game of basketball itself. You know, what are we going to do above and beyond just, uh, you know, simply hosting the game that will elevate basketball? Um, it's about talking about the things in our community that we're going to do that will elevate the community uh, and maybe even the game in the community um, and it's about connecting in an emotional way uh, basketball with the NBA um, you know I'd say very seriously and I think all of us believe this that you know th- there is no other state that can lame uh, or excuse me that can claim title to basketball the way that we do uh, there are certainly some enthusiastic college basketball states around whether it's you know the Carolinas or, or Kentucky but uh, from beginning to end, from youth to high school yeah. to um, college to professional um, uh, women and men, no one, no one is more committed to basketball than Indiana. And it's, and it's about finding ways to connect that passion for the game uh, to the NBA so that they, um, although they know it, they're appreciating it while they're making their decisions about uh, where the bid goes. Last thing, because you're, you're a brilliant guy, I'm curious. <laughs> what are you reading right now? Oh, yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I read a lot. Um, uh, I'm, I'm behind, unfortunately, on my sports business journal stuff. Um, 
You know, I read a lot of military history stuff, uh, just, you know, casually. Um, okay. I'm in the middle of a great book called uh, Boys in the Boat about... Uh, that was part of Andrew Luck's book club, I think. <laughs> oh, is it really? Yeah. yeah. I should join Andrew Luck's book club. Yeah, I would... That, it's... <laughs> that was his second second one for the varsity team, if yeah. you will, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, you know, I, I kind of hop in and out of um, uh, professional-related, you know, journals and... Um, um, you know, just fun historical readings about sports or, uh, you know, one of my favorite books of all time is Seabiscuit. So it's okay. you know, kind of a sport, but <laughs> you probably just don't have as much time as you'd like to set aside. Yeah. I mean, who does, right. You yeah. know, I mean, everybody's uh, working a lot these days, but, um, you know, when I'm able to sort of carve off some time and, and get into that kind of stuff, uh, I really like to, to go back to, I always think the most entertaining, um, stories in our world in our community are the true ones you know i mean candidly and so i spent a lot of time on that kind of stuff i appreciate it ryan thanks for sitting down with me today no happy to be here thank you